On today's show, Thanasis, is he back? Reports suggest that might be the case, certainly back in the NBA. So what does that mean for the Bucs? And then we're going to get to some more listener questions. Are the Bucs eyeing off 2025 free agency? How is this team tackling their problems from last year's postseason? And what about the Central Division? There has been teams on the rise. So who is going to be the biggest challenger to the Bucs? That's all prestigious Central Division title. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN as we're looking to wrap up July, which means we tick over into August, FIBA World Cup month. Uh, We are going to talk about Greece a little bit here coming up. Uh, Plenty to get to on today's show. And as always, we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first watch or first listener of every single weekday. Uh, We appreciate the support. And uh, more than ever this week, it has to be said because you... Uh, the people that have fueled the content, sent through the questions, and I've got a bunch that I'm going to continue to get through here. Make sure you keep sending those questions in. You can either get me at Twitter, at Kane Pittman, or you can get on the YouTube channel. It's probably the easiest place to find us now. That's where the community is starting to gather. Uh, we're hoping to continue to see subscriptions go up. I know it's the off-season, but we know that uh, we appreciate our everyday listeners that continue to jump on board and support us. So you can do that by dropping a like, a comment, subscribing, a rating, a review, five stars, wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's on YouTube or the audio platform, it's free to do. And it really does help continue uh, the show's growth, which we've seen pretty steadily over the last few years since I've been on here. Let's start with a listed question today, and it's a pretty simple one. Will we sign Thanasis? That was the question that came through uh, from our listener there, and... We did see some reports today from a friend of the podcast, actually, and a man who I'm going to have on Locked on Bucks next week. Harris Stavro sends this through. Thanasis Adetokumbo traveling to the United States to sign his new NBA contract. TA will miss the next few training sessions of the Greek national team. Uh, Similar to last year, there wasn't a great rush with the Bucks in terms of getting this Thanasis deal done. Because of the wording of that, he's going to sign his new NBA contract. I did see some... People suggesting, does that mean he's going to sign somewhere else? Uh, I'm not sure, but I don't really see that. And of course, things can change very quickly by the time you're listening to this podcast. But Thanasis just turned 31. Happy birthday. And at that age, and really the minimal role that he's played for the Bucks on court, I don't see him going anywhere else. I think his value is absolutely maximized in the Bucks franchise. And we know that his uh, role and the benefits that he has for this team extend far beyond what he actually produces on the court where the minutes have been a little bit minimal over the last few years. So I would expect that Thanasis is going to be that guy. He would be the 15th man on the roster, which would be the last roster spot the Bucks have as of today. Of course, we've discussed the possibilities of trades and two-for-ones and things like that. Uh, that could open up a spot down the track. But as of today, if Thanasis 
is signing with the Bucks and it's made official, he would be the 15th man. I actually had to go back and have a look a little bit at the minutes total that Thanasis has played with the Bucks, and I was a little bit surprised. It was actually lower than I thought. Um, there was those years where it felt like Thanasis was almost an everyday player. He certainly played some important minutes. He only played 206 minutes last year. That obviously dropped off. This was a pretty deep uh, Milwaukee Bucks team. 551 minutes uh, was the most he topped out in 2021, which was the championship winning team, which is still a, a far lower number than I remembered. The only thing that is going to be a little bit interesting this year, in previous seasons, certainly last year where he did play those 200 minutes, we discussed the idea that this Bucks team is really, really deep. And there are 10, 11, 12 guys, if everyone's healthy, that are going to be in the rotation during the regular season at times. We were debating who was going to be the seven or eight guys for the postseason. It's a little bit different this year because of the way the Bucks' 15-man roster, if Thanasis is included, is constructed. Because you've got Livingston, Jackson Jr., the two young guys there, and AJ Green, you've got three young developing prospects types players that are on that roster. So the depth is no doubt on paper, and we hope some of those guys become uh, every night players, but on paper, the depth is definitely reduced from where it was last year. Does that mean that Thanasis gets some more minutes during the regular season? Who knows? But I think above all else, uh, we've said this before and we've seen it on multiple occasions, whether it is just the communication with Giannis Clearly, Giannis loves having his bro- uh, big brother around. Uh, I think it's great for the fans. It's great for everyone to have the family connection as well. So I think it's a no-brainer that Thanasis comes back. We kind of assumed that this was going to be the case. Uh, and let's face it, when he does get on the floor uh, this season, hopefully, um, we see some more uh, fun moments because you can tell from the thumbnail of this podcast on the YouTube, incredible athlete uh, at the NBA standard plus uh, and he gives you one or two highlight plays uh, every couple of weeks. There's no doubt about that. So I think everyone would be happy to see Thanasis back uh, in Milwaukee. It was expected, as I said. So we'll wait and see if there's any confirmation there. Like I said, I'm going to try and get Harris on the podcast next week. I was talking to him uh, last night. Uh, we'll be able to update everything that's going on with Giannis and Thanasis from the encore perspective, the Bucks and the Greek national team uh, relationship there. And what does it all mean? What's the lead up? to the World Cup for Team Greece. Uh, lots of cool conversations to have there. But some fun news anyway with the, the Bucks roster potentially uh, being finalized here in the next little bit. I mentioned a bunch of questions we want to get to on today's show. Uh, we're going to continue to roll through uh, all those. This one was interesting, though. It comes from Ernie uh, Simmons there. How are we tackling the challenges that caused a first-round exit last season? I thought this was a pretty fascinating question, and I want to get to that next because why did the Bucks lose to Miami? How did this happen? It happened in extraordinary circumstances. We'll get into some of that coming up next after we talk about FanDuel, our sponsor of today's podcast. And we know it's baseball season, and you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to 200 bucks. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over and under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And it's not just uh, MLB. The Women's World Cup is on right now. Australia, tough loss last night. USA, they had a draw. Not uh, completely dominant from both of those nations so far, but you can check out Women's World Cup. You can check out the FIBA World Cup of basketball coming up next month as well. 
there's no better place to bet than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's roll on with the show here. And that was a, a great question I uh, read out just before uh, the FanDuel uh, promo there. And that is, how are the Bucks tackling the challenges that caused the first round exit last year? And it was interesting. Uh, I'm not going to say I went back and watched those games today. That was not part of my preparation for this podcast. I did not need to uh, put myself in that uh, situation. But I think it's fascinating because if you sit back and say, okay, what was the big reason in your mind why the Bucks lost that series to the Heat? Drop it in the YouTube comments. Let me know what you think. But even when I go back, the Bucks' execution in the fourth quarter, absolutely disastrous. Now, was it from a scheme point of view? Was it from mistakes from personnel on the floor? Uh, or was it mental? And if you go back through all the games, game three, the Bucks outscored 27 to 20 in the fourth quarter. Game four, they were outscored 41 to 25 in the fourth. In game five, they were outscored 32 to 16 in the fourth that went to overtime. They lose. And we discussed it on this podcast. Some of the things that the Bucs were doing down the stretch made absolutely zero sense. But when you, if you can bring yourself to go back and watch it, there were so many times through this series where the Bucs looked dominant and they looked like they were very, very comfortable. They were able to offensively function however they wanted and get what they want. Defensively, there was some problems in this series, no doubt. We know that Giannis was clearly not even close to 100%. Both of your two best players in Giannis and Middleton went in for surgery after this series. So there were some factors that go into it. Again, nobody cares about the injuries in the postseason. Very small sample size. But if you look at the offensive rating for the Bucs in the first half, uh, of games in this series, 122.6. Out of all teams in the first half in the postseason, the, that ranked first. Again, very small sample size for the Bucks, so it's not perfect. But the point being, certainly in isolation, Milwaukee were able to offensively function. In the second half, a 107.1 offensive rating, which was 14 out of the 16 teams, they were disastrous, particularly in the fourth quarter. But I, I sit back and I, I think about the execution of the Bucs and some of the mental struggles they appeared to have from the outside, and that's me guessing. I went back to 2021, and I was trying to figure out in my head, do I think that these Bucks players are, are not guys that get it, the job done under pressure? And I can't really bring myself to feel that way because if I go back to the 2021 postseason there were so many close games that the Bucks were the ones that executed they were able to make the shots they were able to score yes yet led by Giannis but Chris Middleton hit big shots so did Drew Holiday even when he struggled earlier in postseason games so the Bucks execution down the stretch yes they were still a predominantly defensive team but these guys were able to deliver in the biggest moments from a mental pressure standpoint so I don't think it's necessarily a thing that this team can't handle pressure this to me felt like a very unique situation where things started to tumble it escalated and before you knew it the season was over and it was disastrous and it was difficult to watch but I don't project forward and think yeah that's going to be problematic for this Bucks team I don't really see it I think they've proven over time that they can get the job done in big moments but if you ask me how are the Bucks tackling those situations I would say and, and I've 
been on this podcast countless times talking about how much respect I have for Mark Boonholzer and where I hold him in the coaching tree. I think he's a great coach, one of the better coaches in the NBA. But I would say something that's not necessarily a strong suit for this Bucks team. They never really seem to be able to get quality, quality shots at the end of games in tight situations. They didn't even get a shot up in game five uh, there to try and uh, equal the scores. I go back to Brooklyn in that game seven at the end of regulation where, again, they didn't get a shot up. Countless times in regulation where the Bucs seem to simply struggle to get the ball inbounds, let alone get a quality shot. So I'd say that late game execution has not been a strength. Is that something that Adrian Griffin can come in? And whether it's play calling, I don't know what I can put my finger on in terms of that, but that's something that would have helped this team, being able to settle down, late execution offensively. So I think bringing in a new head coach, it's difficult to sit here and say now exactly what it looks like, but I think that's something you can look to through the regular season. How do the Bucs work their way through tight situations in regular season games and then hopefully preparing themselves for the postseason? So... I think that's one thing you have to look at. Uh, the other point I will make, and I've said this a number of times, you know, the Bucs don't have a true floor general. Their three best players can do great things with the ball in their hands, Giannis, Chris, and Drew, but they're not true point guards and they can be turnover prone. So I think that there's always going to be this element to the Bucs offense where you know, hopefully the ball security is tight in these big moments. But that is always going to be a bit of a question mark, particularly now the Bucs actually don't really have a backup point guard as well. So how are they tackling the issues that they they went through during that postseason series? I think there's a couple of elements to it. One, yeah, let's hope you're healthy because I'm not sure I subscribe to it just because of the way things played out. But if they're healthy, maybe the results are different. Late game execution has to be better. And then the third part is, are they in any way scarred by some of this late game stuff? I don't believe they will be. That's not a concern of mine. Uh, but let me know how you feel about this Bucks team and how you think they should tackle what happened last postseason and whether they've done anything so far to this point that makes you feel uh, a little bit better about that. So jump in the YouTube comments. Let me know how you feel. And we'll continue to keep it rolling here. Uh, this is a quick one, but this is just a thought from Thornton Williams 3851. Stotts should bring in LaMarcus Aldridge to work with Giannis in the mid-range shot and post moves. It's fascinating because this isn't the first time that these types of suggestions have come up and who could help out Giannis and whether it's the free throw line. You know, Cole Corver was around the organization for a while, one of the greatest shooters of all time. But does it help having a seven-footer there? In my opinion, one of the sweetest jump shots that turned around, particularly in the Portland days, it just felt like he was never going to miss them. He torched many teams over the years. It would at least be fascinating and I think overall, we've discussed the impact of someone like Terry Stotts and what is he going to bring to the table for this Bucks team. But certainly connections around the NBA, some of the star players that he's played with. I'm not mentioning Damian Lillard. I don't want anyone to get excited about that, but clearly there's a connection there. So I, I think overall, the idea of uh, trying something new, new voices, I think this has been a process right throughout the career of Giannis. I don't know what the health situation had to do with his shooting struggles last year. I've still got faith that he can have a bounce back year this year, particularly from the mid-range and that sort of paint non-restricted area zones. But uh, if you told me that Marcus Aldridge wanted to come down and, and spend some time with Giannis, hey, uh, I'd be down for that. That is a question I've got for you guys, though. Uh, if there was one player or coach or someone out there 
Chip England. I know people will say that. Who would you want to work with Giannis? I can't say from the outside if there's anyone specifically that he needs, and I'm certainly not uh, criticizing anyone that's uh, been a part of his development through the roads there, but I think it's an interesting point uh, to bring up. So I thought it was absolutely worthwhile bringing that up. Uh, we got more Locked On Bucks coming up next, including 2025 free agency and Central Division rivalries. Who should the Bucks be keeping an eye on? We're going to get to that next. All right, don't forget to keep it locked on Locked on Bucks over the next few weeks. We're still going to have some in-depth reviews of the rookies, Chris Livingston and Andre Jackson Jr. We're going to continue to roll on there. And as I mentioned, we're going to start ramping up the Greek national team coverage. Uh, we might also try and talk about Team USA a little bit and Bobby Portis and uh, what he's got uh, cooking for that team. So let's go to our next question. As currently constructed... Which central division opponent has the best chance to unseat the Bucks as next year's division winner? Uh, to me, I think that we have seen over the last few years that the central division has continued to rise in competitiveness. Go back to 2019, 2020. The Bucks would steamroll absolutely everyone. Remember the good old days when you didn't have to deal with the Miami Heat in the first round of the postseason, but you could just completely brush aside a Detroit Pistons team with Blake Griffin who could hardly move, but he's been antagonizing you all season long, so you just really want to get them down and sweep them. That's what the Bucks were able to do back then. It's not quite the case now. I think the answer is pretty simple, though. I think it's the Cavs. Uh, they were 51-31 and 31 last season. So 50-win team, which... I kind of had to remind myself, but they were around the mark for much of the year. I know they had obviously a disappointing first round exit to the New York Knicks, but I think they'll be better for that. There's certainly some question marks over the roster and perhaps some holes there. They're still trying to work through the two, the twin towers with Jared Allen and Mobley as well, but I think they're dangerous defensively. They've got Donovan Mitchell who can drop 50 at any point in time. Darius Garland had a 50-point game himself. The addition of Max Struess is interesting because he obviously got paid pretty handsomely on the back of his postseason run with the Miami Heat. What does he look like now? Maybe in an expanded role. If you looked at this Cavs team, what didn't they have last year was contributing wings. Struess probably comes in and starts at the three. That might even be the starting lineup with Mitchell Garland, Struess, Mobley, Allen. We'll wait and see uh, what that looks like. But to me, on paper at least, this looks like a 50-win team again. I still think the Bucs will probably finish on top. I think the Bucs are going to be a 54-55 win team this year. I know there's some people that disagree with that, but I've still got full confidence that they are going to be around that mark. But to me, it's the Cavs. The Pistons and Pacers are young. They're going to continue to rise, particularly Detroit. I mean, it's fascinating when this young core is, is perhaps uh, together, going to take a little bit of a step. I don't think they have the quality of... Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, for instance, or certainly not the New Orleans Pelicans, but we saw those teams in a, a more competitive Western Conference be up around the play-in mark and then first round of the postseason. So the Pistons, I think, are in in line for a rise. The Pacers have been dangerous. And then the Bulls, I don't know. It's tough. The Lonzo Ball situation is brutal. Major extension to Nikola Vucevic. I don't really like the roster. I'm not sure about... Uh, where they stand. I think they're probably a middling team again next year, but we have seen in the past that the combination of DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, particularly DeRozan, let's be honest, one of the prime buck killers could be challenging for this Bucks team. So uh, the Bulls will be competitive, but all up, I think that the Bucks right now 
the only team that are in that top tier contending for a title category. Uh, but the Cavs are going to be right there. Let me know what you think about the Central Division. Now, I can't find this question that I had, but it was about the Bucks. Here it is. The Bucks business this season seems to point to them having their eyes on 2025 free agency. Out of the potential free agents, who would you most like to potentially sign? And who do you think is realistic? I think the most fascinating thing about the Bucks offseason this year, we talk about the deals they have. Drew Holiday with another couple of years, a player option there as well. Uh, Chris Middleton, two years and a player option. Brooke Lopez, two years flat. And then uh, obviously Giannis, we'll wait and see where that situation lies. But if you just look at the age of those guys on opening night for the 2025 season, Chris Milton's going to be 34. Drew Holiday's going to be 35. Brooke Lopez is going to be 37. And Giannis is going to be 30. So we already know that there's going to be some sort of changing of the guard for this Milwaukee Bucks team around that period. The big question is, is there a major trade with one of those guys before they get to that 2025 free agency period? Or are the Bucks looking at being one of the teams that might have cap space? I went to Spotrack and I think most of these free agents are, are probably right. But it's a little bit hard to project this far out. There's obviously the restricted free agents of the younger stars who are probably who you would love to sign and pair Giannis, still in Milwaukee, fingers crossed, with someone that is really just starting to enter their prime. But the big-time names, and I'm just saying name recognition, that are on this unrestricted free agency list for 2025, Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray, Brandon Ingram, Paul George, who will be pretty old at that point, Anthony Davis will be 32, 33 as well. So that's some of the big names there. Uh, I've mentioned this on yesterday's podcast with Frank about the idea of Giannis. I do think that there is still going to be some interest in in players wanting to play with Giannis, even if it is in Milwaukee. I, I see that being the case. But historically, free agents, it, it's not where the Bucks have done their best work in terms of signing marquee, big money, big time free agents. We've seen it with the veteran market, with the buyout market. The Bucks have been able to sign some big names from the past, kind of maybe a little bit past their prime. Obviously, in trade scenarios with Drew Holiday, they were able to get that deal done. So I still feel that if the Bucks are going to have another big name come in, it might be not this season, but next season potentially uh, with one of those bigger name players, all-star players on the roster. I think that could be the case. Um, the Bucks don't have a lot of draft capital as, we, as we've already suggested as well. So it definitely feels like that 2025 offseason is going to be... Uh, a really interesting point in the timeline of the future of the Bucks, But at this point in time, it's difficult to see with those names who would be someone that would want to come and play in Milwaukee. But uh, with those ages that I mentioned, and by the way, Giannis turns 31 during that season, 2025. That's very sad to think about. Uh, we're going to continue to watch and monitor and see uh, where the Bucks lie entering that period. I think it's a good point, though, uh, from the listener there. So the questions have been awesome today. Uh, let me know about everything we've discussed, whether it is the 2025 free agency, on what would be your plan for the Bucs over the next few years? The Nasus is back. How do you feel about that? Uh, how are the Bucs tackling the issues from the postseason? And what really bothered you the most from that playoff series last year that you'd never want to see again? Uh, and then Central Division threats as well. So get on YouTube or hit me up at Twitter, at Kane Pittman, and uh, we'll continue the conversation going. Locked on Bucks back next week. As I mentioned, some guests on the show. We're going to have a lot of fun. I appreciate the support. As always, drop a like, a comment, subscribe, rate, review, and do all those things. It really helps the show. It warms my heart when you guys get involved. So I appreciate the support. 
Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you next week.